Hello, and welcome back to Fishnets and Philosophy. This is your host, Mix Belmargan. If it sounds like I'm recording this from my bed, that would be correct, because I'm still recovering from COVID, hence the bit of a hiatus and delay between my last episode I released, which was part of my Pride Month bonus episodes, and this one, which is going to be my continuation of the deep dive into the Purge franchise as I was joined by the fantastic Brett Pedersall. So I hope you sit back and enjoy listening to this fantastic conversation where we discuss both the Purge election year and the first Purge. So sit back and enjoy. Hello and welcome back to Fishnets and Philosophy. This is your host, Mix Bell Marigan, and we are resuming my deep dive into the Purge franchise. If you're joining us today, you would have just listened to my mini um, discussion of queerness in horror for Pride Month. Today, as I'm recording this, it is Pride Day. So happy Pride, listeners. And now we're going back to the Purge. And today I am joined by Brett. And we're going to be talking about two Purge films, The Purge Election Year and The First Purge, which is the fourth film called The First Purge. But before we jump into that discussion, Brett, just uh, what's your connection to the horror community and, you know, why you enjoy horror? Sure. Yeah. So first, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, my name is Brett Petersell. Um, I do content and partnerships at Letterboxd on the horror film side of things. Um, my connection to horror, I guess I've, I've loved horror films my entire life. I, I started off, you know, raiding my parents' VHS closet, you know, back in the day. My bar mitzvah theme 30 years ago was horror films. Um, for listeners, if they were able to see my background, I have horror figures behind me. Um, I, I'm I'm not proficient in horror, I guess, as most would say, but I just love the aspect of violence and gore and beheadings and head explosions and all that stuff. I don't know, it just fascinates me. And I also love the philosophy behind a lot of these horror films. So I've taken a deep interest over the years, of course, and I meet a lot of great people. And um, hopefully I get to share their knowledge and my knowledge with your audience on here. Amazing. Thank you. And yes, to the listeners who can't see it, it is a brilliant display of horror figurines and posters that I'm getting to look at while I'm talking to Brett. So it's just an extra treat. Um, But yes, I actually kind of like how you mentioned both, you know, the extravagance that comes with horror films, like the gore, beheadings, the excessive violence, but then the kind of, I guess, as you said, the philosophy that's behind it which is something that really attracts me to the Purge franchise, because I think the Purge franchise is a franchise that marries those two. Some would say not subtly, but I think it marries them well. And the two films we are talking about are Purge Election Year and the first Purge. And for the listeners, the first two Purge films and Election Year were all written and directed by the same person, James DeMonaco. And then the first Purge, which is the fourth film in the franchise, took a slight different deviation as it was directed by a Jared McMurray and written by James DeMonaco. So I just want to know what you think, James, as watching or Brett, sorry, not James, you're not the director, Brett, um, what you think watching the Purge films 
Do you think that you can tell that it does have the same creative hand kind of driving it? Does it feel like it's got the same vision, I guess, in how it's being shot and portrayed as a film? Yeah, I mean, if you look at, at The Purge, Purge Anarchy and The Purge Election Year, and of course, you know, both written and, and directed by James uh, Monaco, um, I think it has that gritty feeling to it. I mean, we, we are, I, for many people may not know, I think the story or how this all came about, the Purge films was, I think he was cut off in traffic and he really like had this frustration where he really wanted to like hurt someone. Um, and I feel like, you know, living in New York, you know, I, I, I can understand his frustration, <laughs> but I mean, when you look at the first Purge, the, the, the film itself, um, mm-hmm. you definitely sense the same style of writing and that dialogue and that storyline, of course, with someone else's um, creative directive, directing output yeah. there. Um, and of course they had a lot, you know, similar themes, but of course I think it was great to see how the Purge came to be. And then, of course, you know it, how it led to future films or, or future episodes um, in, in, that, in, in those scenarios. Uh, but it kept the same theme. And I think you know, we'll definitely be discussing all those themes that are involved in here you know, regarding uh, economic class, political class, mm-hmm. the world in general, and how they view and portray the purge itself. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can definitely sense you know, uh, the strength between everything. Exactly, one hundred percent. Actually, just as you're saying it there, like I think almost in in a similar way to the way that you know with Star Wars, the original trilogy came out, and then they did the prequels, which explains what happens. I kind of feel with the Purge, it almost it feels more prescient to actually focus more on first Purge because that really is what sets up everything to come, and I think that will make any kind of like talking about election year have more weight because we realize where everything came from so i think actually we'll start in with more focusing on the first purge and i I know what you mean about you can notice that it definitely looked a bit different from a directorial standpoint i don't know to me it it definitely didn't seem as gritty it seemed a lot sleeker i don't know if maybe they had a bigger budget or something like that but it had like it looked different to the others and but not in a bad way just you know you could tell it was slightly different person behind the helm maybe but well, they also had a, a bigger budget you have to understand the first purge was the fourth yeah. film being made exactly so like, look at the success of this and you know we can put a lot of money behind this when they didn't and they're like hey we're gonna do well, you know the focus of the story is supposed to be staten island mm. also known as buffalo new york <laughs> <laughs> um and honestly i'm gonna be like i, I i've been to staten island i've been to St- buffalo new york uh you know as a new yorker uh I, I honestly, I, I couldn't tell the difference because, you know, also that that first purge setting was so closed off. I mean, like I said, it was that experiment. Mm. You had the architect, uh, Marissa Tomei's character. Um, you know, I, I forgot her, her character's name, but, um, you know, they, they, they had a closed off section. You know, it was a group test. Um, of course, you know, we're gonna, like I said, we're going to talk about the economic class. Yes. Um, and it was a very poor, rundown, drug cartel-like you know, uh, members running that city. Um, and, you know, it's brought there. And the people that we're introduced to, um, you know, people who want to get out and people who want to release their anger, you know, it's, it's all like, hey, well, you'll be paid to, to remain here and, and you'll get paid more to participate. So 100%. And if anything, it's more, you'll be paid 
you'll be paid more if you participate and just if you survive like you know, it was kind of like you know the kind of message that they're sending and I think that is something that is a theme that runs throughout the Purge films as a whole but the first Purge <laughs> it kind of really like you know takes the, the sledgehammer and just hits you over the head with it they're like if you haven't noticed this is what we've been saying the entire time which is that they basically want to eradicate poor people and homeless people like that's what they want like there's that one bit where the chief of staff for the new founding fathers of america such a it's like such a conservative sounding party name but um the character sabian who was paid played by patch dara all I could see when I looked at that character, he just reminded me so much of Sean Spicer. He just had the same kind of like, <laughs> you know, the paleness and the hairstyle. Like I was just like, like no head. <laughs> exactly. It literally looked like it was like, hmm, this is this is come this film is coming out at the height of you know Trump's presidency, and he has Sean Spicer on staff. We're gonna put <laughs> Sean Spicer as chief of staff, and I don't know, it was I couldn't get that out of my head, but there was just that one bit where he is talking to. Marissa Tomei's character, who is Dr. Updale. Um, but talking to the doctor, when her character, there's this moment where I think, and I want to know what you think about this, but I feel like with her character, it's acting as almost like a, a device or a commentary on like the hubris of intelligent people, because I think she's just so, this is the idea. There's, you know, it, the ideas are you know without flaws and ideas are fantastic and it's like yeah but you forget ideas require humans and humans are not like that and they're messy and they'll take advantage of shit and i think she doesn't realize until it's too late that her idea of the experiment is being taken advantage by bigots and racists and people who want the poor to be disappeared and there is that one scene where he basically says yeah, you're right. We inherited this shit show. <laughs> There's all these people who are just costing us so much money. So we came up with the experiment to try and hopefully get rid of them. <laughs> I want to know what you think about both whether the use of Updale as a character and also just in general that concurrent theme of <laughs> we don't like poor people. <laughs> yeah, and well, I think that's definitely the theme of this first film mm. the first purge um because as we see moving forward it, it it encompasses like a wider audience like any, anyone's free game in this first mm-hmm. film yeah the the poor people are are the ones that are being hunted um and yes they do bend the rules they break the rules they they bust people in or or tractor trailer or whatever they <laughs> wanted at the um you know from the nffa um it's, but I, I think, you know, at first, when we were first introduced to people that being in the film, you know, people are talking about like their rage, like, oh, I have so much anger in me. I can just, you know, do all these things. Like, mm. and Skeletor is the one who actually says, I want to purge. Yeah. And like, oh, it's an interesting term. <laughs> and of course, you know, it carries on that theme. But it's, I think that the experiment was supposed to be like, you know, let's just give people free reign to do whatever they want without mm-hmm. any consequences. Beat up your neighbor, you know, shoot your boss. <laughs> it's okay for 12 hours um and they probably thought like you know i mean we, we saw that no one really participated at first yeah parties so i think a lot of people are like i'll just say i'm gonna do it and i'm gonna collect my five thousand dollars and if i remain throughout the night i'll get another you know monetary um you know surprise there but then 
it starts happening. Skeletor, you know, does the first mm-hmm. kill. Like, oh, finally. And then he goes to that street party where everyone, you know, they were really upset, the NFFA, to see people like celebrating and in, in, in the streets and not beating each other <laughs> up or, or anything like no robberies, right? Well, there were like a few of those, the robberies that we saw on camera. But when it starts to, to develop, you know, we had mm-hmm. that stabbed at the, you know, the neck at the ATM machine, and, you know, Skeletor's first kill and so on and so forth. I think like, oh, you know, we have something happening here, but then it, it's just him that's doing it. And then, you know, Marissa Tomei, I think, catches on. She's like, I want to see where all these motorcycles are coming from. And then she's like, the NFFA really has an ulterior motive for all of this. And of mm-hmm. course, you don't know what eventually happens to her because she figures it out. Definitely. And like, I, just like touching back on that, though, the character of Skeletor, I thought he was a really interesting character. And I, like, also as well, like he as a character, I think, really brought in a lot of the more kind of typical horror elements. Because like the Purge films, like, you know, yes, they would fall under the horror genre, but in a way, they're more kind of action films. Like they don't really have many kind of scary set pieces or anything like that. But I think... Skeletor as a character really was just like no 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 we're not messing about he is going to be the character that really terrifies you because he is terrifying someone who actually just genuinely you know wants to just murder people (laughs) that's what he wants to do like and yeah I thought he was a really interesting character and also um, one of my favorite bit like set pieces from the first Purge film which I just thought so clever the use of like combination of technology and just you know setting but there's that one character one scene when our character isaiah played by jovian wade who's a fantastic actor who's also in the doom patrol series for my listeners if you haven't watched it highly recommend it the, one of the best comic book thing things out there but the character isaiah who told his sister that he wasn't going to be on the city or anything like that decides nope i want to get money basically because he's poor and there's that one bit where he's walking through like a really dark alleyway and you can see his eyes are glowing because it's the eyes that record everything and then in all of the windows you just see like the silhouettes of characters and you just see their eyes and it's like it felt like some something like out of like a zombie movie like they were just all these ghastly figures with glowing eyes and i just thought that was really well done and like, I'm wondering if you feel the same. That was a successful horror set piece for a film. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a controlled location. Like the film's supposed to be a controlled location. So yes, those those alley that alleyway shot actually is something I wanted to talk about because I definitely mm. you see as you perfectly described it, and then you see the characters or these you know people that we don't know who they are, but they're behind like windows, and you do yeah. see the eyes. And these are people who are probably like, I can kill this person. Um, Isaiah in the street right now where he can kill me because he also had a gun mm-hmm. and no one does anything you know they don't they don't shoot through the window and he doesn't shoot through their window um, but I, I was expecting some violence from that but then you also did see like a few traps and like blowing up doll and stuff but yeah I, I think the the alleyway I mean it was it was a good set um, you know to portray what's what what they're seeing and how the the eyes are basically also you know visible to the nffa because they're monitoring all these people and like you said technology played a very integral part in this film as we learned from the drones and mm-hmm. all these other cameras planted throughout the city to see what's happening 
Um, but yes, I, I'm, and I'm sorry, I'm going off topic here, but yes, the, the alleyway was, was a fantastic cinema. I'm, I'm such a bad <laughs> terminology, cinemagraphic. No, uh, no, it's you know, perfect. Of, of, and of, of, of dark. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. And actually, I don't think you're actually kind of going off topic at all there. And um, because like you were saying that it was that really interesting moment or, where you're almost expecting the violence, but there isn't any, like, it's just almost this impasse. And I think that's like, it's just like a, a commentary on the fact that this is the fourth film in the franchise. So we're used to people just being incredibly violent to each other. But timeline wise, this is the first ever time of this. So it's not something people are used to. So I think it does a really good juxtaposition of like playing with the audience expectations of what we're used to having watched watching these films up to this point, but also what the characters are used to because, you know, the, the purge as in the very first film, which came out in 2013, I believe the one with um, Ethan Hawke, that one like, you know, was taking place after America having had the purge for a number of years. And then anarchy was also number of years and election year, the kind of final year really. And so in those films, almost every coming together of strangers of characters is an violent whereas in this film it's almost very different it actually isn't really until the nffa send in their hired and you know nazis that's what they basically are they seem to be basically white nazi mercenaries and until they are sent in there isn't really much violence between characters other than skeletor as like the abnormal i just want to kill people character yeah, I right. thought it was really interesting. And yeah, um, I think that like kind of as that as a film, or actually also the first Purge as a film has the fantastic, fantastic line of fuck off, you pussy grabbing motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> and, from Anaya's character. Yeah. And which, uh, from, from the great when the great opens oh, up. yeah and also a very like actually kind of disturbing scene as well of like you know just someone coming up from the sewer and like i do like kind of that imagery of like only a person who comes from like the sewers and is just clearly not a normal human would do this and i thought it was very apt commentary on the person who made that line famous but i want to know what you think as because i'm you know here in ireland so my connection with you know, the US political system is definitely a lot more abstract. So I want to know what your feeling is or as someone who lives in America, when you kind of watched this particular film, The First Purge, and the use of that line, do you think it was like just a cheap dig or do you think it actually had more weight to it? What was your feelings with it? Um, it's hard. I mean, I'm not a political person. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm kind of like in, the, I'm a Switzerland I guess we can say, you know, <laughs> but like, you know, obviously we're, we're, America has a very heated political climate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one side against the other. It's not like you're here or there. It, you know, well, actually, yeah, it is. It's, you, can't, you, can't, you can't be a middle person really. Um, but that line, I mean, of course, yeah, look, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a valid line that, 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 that Trump used in video. I mean, we, we have proof yeah. of that. I um, mean, and it's degrading to women. Um, but do I think it's a cheap shot in the film? No, because he said these things. Um, and, you know, they're reiterating in the film, you know, maybe they're using it for a comedic, you know, factor. Mm. 
but but still we know that when she says that when a character says it when naya says it uh, we know that it's it's a, a reference to trump and you know the bad things of like how men possibly treat women in that sense mm-hmm. or how how they're spoken about so um it's I don't know. Some people might take it as as a as a cheap shot. Some people might say, "Oh, you know, yeah, good. You know, I'm, I'm glad you're highlighting, you know, that line because you know that that's not something you should be saying to people." But you know, I think it was perfect for the for the film because he was that character from the great <laughs> was actually doing those things. So yeah, you know, but you know, if when you hear, it, you're like, "Oh, that, that's a that's a Trump line." So yeah, exactly. And I think it's almost like doing the rewatch because now we're you know in our post-Trump era, you know, different political, different U.S. president, slightly different political climate. It kind of make it does kind of stand out more in a way doing the rewatch because it's just like, it reminds you more of like, oh, this is who it's talking about. And I don't know what that was. But the simple fact that they actually threw it in there while Trump was the sitting president, I thought that was actually a really bold move. If <laughs> You know, like sometimes you'd almost expect it to happen after the fact that while that person's in power, I thought that was like, I was kind of like, go on, James, you know, you're, you're not holding any punches. <laughs> but also the, the marketing, well, you know, the red hat, you know, that's, that's mm. of, you know, make America great, America, make America great again hats. Um, yes. I feel like, but if you were, if you were outside of America, maybe not a lot of people would understand the connection to that. Mm. So that's why it's, but, you know, it, I think, you know, the 2016 election was like so visible across the world. Um, yeah. He was not expected to win um and he and he did and you know but you know the the MAGA or make america great again i don't think really is is something that's well known outside the u.s it was very well known here because you know you had you had like i said the left and the right but you know when the with the marketing i think the marketing was very tailored to americans you know so 100 percent, and uh yeah like it is actually kind of interesting like you know because as again someone who's in ireland and europe because of how, like, because of Twitter and social media in general, like, a U.S. election is in many ways a global election because everyone's involved with it. So, yeah, no, the red hat as a symbol of basically conservative (laughs) racist bigots, that's traveled across. So, like, that definitely is something that I think, even though maybe the marketing department is focusing on, we're gearing this towards Americans who've just gone through this election I definitely feel it was something that you can you knew what it was saying outside of America as well, which I think just makes that film more resonant. And I think um, for this film as well, the one last kind of piece I want to kind of like touch on before we go into more focusing on election year. Um, but I thought it was really great to see the fact that they did like the character Naya was the one leading the protests against having the experiment in the first place i thought that was really important to show because again in the previous three films the purge has existed for a number of years it's just to accept it as it is i thought it was really great to see that there from the start there was a resistance against this type of thing and it really again highlights how much the films as a whole are a commentary on classism as in this in, in a way the elites have the power and they basically get to say what happens and everyone else has to try and fight against it in some way. So I want to know what you think about highlighting that there was an active resistance from the start. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, 
people understood that the purpose of the protesters, Naya's, you know, group, they understood like, you know, the purge or whatever the experiments was mm-hmm. not a good thing. And they knew it was, it was targeted. Um, and of course, look how they were focusing on a, on a lower class rundown neighborhood. Um, and then you have Dimitri who comes in, who's like, you know, wealthy and he's a drug dealer and he's you know, an arms dealer, I guess, in some ways. And he has a group with him. Um, and I don't, th- I think he was also just like, you know, I'm against it. I'm for it. Cause I, you know, obviously he wants to run a turf and yeah. the leader of the drug, you know, uh, drug dealing and arms dealing race there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I there were, it, like, it, it was just like any other protest you see, like, you know, signs, like we don't want this. And people are like, yeah, I want to, you know, you see the people waiting online to be interviewed for the, the purge, the experiment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're just like, why are these people, you know, looking at us like this way? Like, we just want to exercise our right to release some anger. But, like, I don't think anyone really expected that anger to become so so bad. Yeah, exactly. And I think, again, like, that's actually a really salient point there. And I think it just really shows how much people... In general, when they either are like voting in elections or they're just engaged with some form of new societal change, people as you know, humans, that's what we are. We're very much focused on ourselves in the moment. Like, you know, we don't have long term pictures about what our actions will potentially have for future generations. Mm -hmm. And I think this film really kind of highlights that as in there are these people who are And again, it's a commentary on classism. If you are impoverished, if you are poor, you at the, you know, at the end of the day, you don't have the luxury to kind of focus on what things will look like in a few future generations because all you can focus on is getting through the day. And when you've got the new founding fathers of America coming in and saying, hey, we're going to give you $5,000 as a minimum, probably more if you (laughs) stay in Staten Island potentially kill people (laughs) and if you survive and yeah I think it just shows that a lot of people didn't those characters didn't think about the repercussions of engaging positively in this experiment would be yeah I think that was a really salient point but from what we saw originally in the film it was a failure we had you know Skeletor is really doing everything (laughs) he did all the work for for them but it, it wasn't enough and that's why they the NFFA cheated and they busted in those. Well, actually, they didn't bust them in. They were actually already there. Yeah, they were, they were already expecting, uh, yeah, expecting it to almost possibly not work. And actually, just speaking about those mercenaries, the Nazi mercenaries that were, you know, brought in to make the purge look more successful, I definitely really found that one scene where, because we see Naya and her group, like they're like, we don't want to purge, but we're going to stay in Staten Island to try and, you know, just take advantage of the fact that they're going to pay us. We're going to stay in the church. We're going to be safe here. And then the church is the place that's targeted. And I don't know. It's like, I thought it was a very powerful scene where it's the fact that this is a church filled with minorities with black people and people of color and it's literally like you know white neo-nazi soldiers that mercenaries like essentially attack the church and kill almost everyone in there 
I thought that was a very kind of, you know, the the writer, James Monaco, the director, they weren't pulling any punches. They were kind of very much going, yeah, no, um, the new founding fathers, they're definitely racists. <laughs> yes. And, you know, but you're supposed to think like, oh, all those people that are in the church, you know, a church, temple, mosque, that's a place of worship is a place of safety. You know, mm-hmm. you shouldn't have to worry about these things. And of course, we've seen in the news over the years that this is where, you know, shootings and, and other attacks do happen. Uh, attacks happen anywhere. Um, but in the film, it's supposed to be like, hey, we'll see in the church. We got food, we'll have music, we'll talk, we'll read. We have kids here with us. And it turned out to be a very unsafe place. So that was like a, that broke the spirit of many people. And then still does off of film, it still does, you know, in the world today. 100%. And again, I think as a film that sets up the rest of the franchise, it really did kind of hit home that message of during this 12 hours of The Purge, there is no safety. You know, it is very much, you know, regardless of whether you're the type of person who wants to participate, you're, there's no guaranteed safety. Anything can happen. And I think it did a good job of hitting home that point, even if anything can happen, is the government forcing it to happen. But it forces that change. And I think that's a good segue to kind of go more now into election year, because I think we've done a good covering of the first purge, how it lays that foundation and the different characters that take place in that film. Um, But with, yeah, go ahead. Before we transition to, to the election year, I'm definitely curious though, like, do you think the first purge, if it were to take place in a different area, maybe like a, not like a, um, like a city like you know mm. buildings but like more in a rural urban setting um you know do you think it definitely would have had maybe a different outcome and i know we're talking about a film here but do you think the film in a different setting would have a different outcome in terms of people participating mm. i think i think it's very context dependent because I, I think actually actually now that you made that point i think it may, really hits home because with you know the first purge taking place in Staten Island, which was, as they were showing, was a very impoverished community, mostly minority groups. Mm -hmm. You know, typically a lot of like, you know, minority areas, everyone's kind of like, you know, in it together. Like there's that kind of setting of, you know, hey, this is just, you know, where we are. There's, you know, there might be some kind of like, infighting between different cultural groups but there's no kind of broader sense of violence because at the end of the day these minority groups they all have a common enemy which is white racists and i think that's why the new founding fathers had to push in this aggressor to start something like skeletor was again an abnormality i feel that say the purge was taking in a rural place in somewhere like you know, rural Texas or, you know, another very red state that is known for racism, I think there would have been certain people that would have been quicker to possibly engage with it. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Like, maybe it's impossible to really predict it. (laughs) I mean, I would love to see like another first purge film, but take place maybe with a a different culture set different mm. setting itself maybe like maybe like in a like i said like like a suburb i would you know like a long island or you know somewhere in jersey but i think or even on the, on the other west coast of the united states i mean there's so many different parts of the country yeah, um, and everywhere is so different culturally 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's different, but you know, I'm I'm sure we can get we get different points of views, obviously through the newscasts and all these films, also. Yeah, but actually, when you're saying that, it is actually kind of interesting because it is really the purge. The very first film does take place in the suburbs. Now, it is a very single location, as it is the one family's home, but that is in the suburbs. And then as the films progress, everything is more city based. And I thought that, like, you know, I do think that's really interesting. So it would be, you know, it would be interesting to see if like to see what the suburbs were like during the first, you know, or to take move the first purge from a centralized Staten Island to somewhere like a suburban neighborhood or rural, you know, community. It would be interesting to see how it would go. But um, yeah, I think it would really depend on the sociological and cultural context of the region. Like, you know, if it's a region where that's known for racism and stuff like that, before a purge experiment comes in, then 12 hours where anything's permissible, I'd say those people would more be beholden to do what they want to do anyway. Um, If you moved it to an area that's more progressive and liberal, then maybe there would be nothing happening. I don't know. It's impossible to tell. It would be it, interesting I mean, to see. Yeah, but I just feel like, because humans, I believe in, in general, are monsters. Like we all, mm. I feel like everyone has something inside them just like, might just take them off. So I, I think I think the purge, you know, as we as it develops in the films, um, especially leading up to election year, I feel like some, I feel like no matter your political or, or background or, or, or affiliation or your, your um, your race or religion i feel like people are just like you know what i've had it with this person like you know could be the neighbor my neighbor you know as we see in other films like, <laughs> you know, your neighbor might knock down my fence i'm gonna kill that night because i can get away with it and, you know i don't have to worry about it but like i said anyone i feel like these characters could be like any any race any political affiliation and maybe even any economic class i feel like everyone just maybe wants to vent and that's that 12 hours of freedom to do whatever they want and you know they don't have to worry about it yeah actually i think i'm surprised they haven't done it yet but i think the purge as a franchise as a setting would be brilliant for like an anthology film or something like that of different stories taking place within the purge world like so that way you could explore that of different areas different social settings and stuff like that because i do feel like the purge films like, you know, the first one, it does really, as in the first film, does really kind of sit apart from the rest because that does, because obviously it was a much smaller budget. They had, were more constrained. They had just that one single location. Mm-hmm. So I think that's almost like the anomaly, whereas the rest are all very much the city. We're expansive. And it's also very taking place in, you know, impoverished areas. Like, so it's a very specific world setting for these films that'd be i think a, an anthology series where they explore different regions would be really interesting and i'm hoping something like that would happen at some point well they they do have the purge tv series you know it was two seasons on the usa network and it kind of did that you know, oh, okay was, yeah, different stories um so i definitely suggest checking those out it was it was a really interesting take each season was like 10 episodes and there's, and there's a story and you know different stories um and different things and it, and it does connect everything it was really it was really deep and 
um, comforting to see, I guess I could say, because you get to see really how people are thinking um, and reacting to certain things, but also they might be deflecting from one party to another and realizing like, oh, this is either a good thing and I really need this or just a bad thing. I got to get away from this. So it's definitely something I think we can have another podcast about that. <laughs> Interesting. I'll have to, I, yeah, actually, I think I did hear about the series existing, but I've never caught it. I'll have to, I'll have to watch that now. I think it's on Prime, which I have. So yes, I should give, keep the lookout for that. Perfect. Thank you for that. Um, but yes, I think that now is like, we'll do that slow transition towards focusing more on election year, which I thought was a, again, like a, really strong like it was a again it built on anarchy like i thought i liked to brought back some of the characters particularly leo barnes frank grio oh, and also just just frank grio like you just know that when you get a film and you just see he's in the cast you're just gonna get lots of gratuitous like violence and it's just gonna be fun you know what you're getting with frank and it's lovely he's great at it you know and but yeah his character i really like his character and um again we've got the senator which is played by elizabeth mitchell and she's also one of those actors like i think she's very much like a character actress as in like she just appears in lots of different projects but whatever she's in you're always getting something good like she brings a lot of like gravitas to whatever performance that she has yeah she's she's a fantastic actress i loved her in lost in that series Mm. She's also the mother to Jim Cavaziel's character in Frequency, which came out in 2000, which is one of my favorite films, which is okay. played also fantastic. But um, yeah, she has her, her, her character, her demeanor. She's like very warm and comforting, but yet, you know, she's, she's, she's strong and expressing a view. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does show this on screen. So yeah, kudos to Elizabeth Mitchell for taking on this role. Um and, and really um, becoming a strong character, you know, for what's it's it's basically she actually has the most important role in the film. Yeah, so one hundred percent. So, and then one hundred percent go into that. And <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like definitely, like her, like for the listeners who haven't seen the film, they see her character is a U.S. senator, and she's essentially the one that's opposing the new founding fathers. She wants to stop the purge being a thing and the main reason being she lost her entire family <laughs> i think it was like 10 years previously or something like that and um, in the film but basically her family were killed on a purge night and she was the only one that survived and since then she's been you know what fuck the purge i'm gonna try and make sure it never happens again and no one goes through what i went through and i thought like actually again re-watching this film and seeing her character in the wake of what's recently happened in Uvalde, Texas, and just in general, as someone who's in like in Ireland and sees these, um, at this point, it almost feels like weekly different type of shooting events. And I don't know how it feels as an American, um, but as someone from Ireland, it's just, it just feels almost like an onslaught. But I think Elizabeth Mitchell's character was, I think she was a really good stand-in for you know, the character that represents families of people who have been the victims of shootings. Because usually that's what happens is someone is either a survivor, like some of the school shooting survivors, like David Hodge and stuff like that, or they're the parent of someone who died in a shooting. And that emboldens them to become an activist and to start campaigning against, you know, 
guns or to try and bring in better gun regulation in America. And I thought her character was a good representation of that. And I want to know what you think as an American, because obviously you've got more about living in America. It's more cultural or not cultural, but more present to yourself than me in Ireland. (laughs) Well, I'm going to touch on two points. Um, I'm going to touch on your point second. But first, I also feel like uh, as someone, you know, you know, like David Hodge and, and Fred Gutenberg, you know, David Hodge was uh, from the Parkland. Um, yes, Parkland, that's what it was. Yeah. And Fred Gutenberg lost his daughter. But also you have to understand that the purge was a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think, like, do you think that maybe David Hodge, Fred Gutenberg, or, or some other people might want to retaliate and be like, you know what? My, I lost my child due to school violence. I want to take matters into my own hands. I want to purge. So you also have to think, like, you know, would they? Which, which is the character of Leo. In like Frank Rio's character, he right. represents that. Yes, and he lost his child. Exactly. We we do learn at the end of Anarchy, he gets there and he doesn't move on with it. But he does talk about it in election year, um, as to why you know when when Senator Rain asks him or Elizabeth Mitchell's character, and she says like, you know, why are you doing this? And he gives his backstory that he wanted to participate. He really was like, hell bent on getting revenge on his son's death. Mm-hmm. but he understands that it has to end the purge has to go yeah but, and yeah. i think actually just kind of like taught like actually the character of leo i think his arc is really interesting because i think that kind of touches back to your point about you uh, your own point of feeling of like you know you know humans are monsters and monstrous like i think leo as a character is a really great kind of representation of the fact that you know i think Everyone has those desires, but when faced with the ability to actually do it at that moment, not everyone, I think, actually would go through with it. I think Leo is a character kind of that comments on that because I think, you know, you have some people who are like Skeletor that don't even have any thought, you know, it's literally just that's what they want to do and they can't wait to do it. Then you've got other people who are probably like, you know, somewhere in the middle that like, just because they can, they will, but they wouldn't be doing it outside of the purge. Whereas like a character like Skeletor, like any type of serial killer probably is going to be killing people regardless of what the crimes are or the laws are. Then there are some people who will be like, you know what, I'm legally allowed to do this. I'm going to do it. And then I think there are people that I want to, but I literally can't because I wouldn't be able to live with the weight of that decision. Right. And, and that's, that's a good point because we do see when, I don't know what's her name, Lainey, Lainey. Um, yes. When her character, she was the, the little death as she used to be known. And it seems like, you know, when we're introduced to her, she was someone who used to participate in, in, in the purge and now mm-hmm. has, changed or moved on you know from that now is once helped people but we do she makes a comment in the film like there's a woman who i think like shot her husband and now she like regrets it you know she regrets participating or partaking in the event so you do get the people who are like you know i could do this and then they strike that first punch or that shoot that first bullet and they're like wait what i just do i might have i could have ruined my life you know what could become something or i just definitely ruined another person and their family and all these other things so yeah, you get the, the people who are wishy-washy and they want to do it and then they do it and they, they face the consequences afterward. Yeah, and actually just actually that character of Lainey, I'm glad you mentioned her because she's played fantastically by Betty Gabriel who was also in Get Out, one of like my favorite horror films ever. So I thought it was really great seeing her in 
a more speaking role because she's very much quiet in Get Out, like as the the nanny or the grandmother in a black woman's body. Um, but I thought she was really good in this film. But yes, I, I loved how Election Year, because it is the film that essentially takes place at the end of the trilogy, really. Like, And then you can consider the first Purge as a prequel to the trilogy. Like, I like how Election Year really does show how how much trauma the Purge as this American phenomenon is having on its American citizens because there are people who have partaken in it and now regret it. There are people who almost did but held back and now because they realised they could have done it, they want to get rid of it. Then there are people who never partook but they were the victims of it having happened to them. Like there's so, it really navigates the different types of ways it's impacted the characters and the people of this fictional America. I thought it was really interestingly well done. And, and, and it still carries yeah. that theme of, of, of getting rid of a certain class structure. It's getting rid of the poor yes. um, and people of color. It's still that. But I think we see also seen election year. Really, it's just a free-for-all also. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and in other, other films, it, it's, it's really anyone is a victim. But these films do focus on class and race and religion and have definitely exactly and um i thought actually just like when you were saying that like you know again it is very much a commentary on classism and elitism and like there is that one bit where like you know the new founding fathers you realize that they have essentially sent in another group of neo-nazi mercenaries to hunt down and kill the senator and i think (laughs) like watching that it was like it kind of like stood out to me as very grim because we know as a fact that in dictatorships today, you know, the dictators will literally take out political enemies and that's without the requirement of a purge, (laughs) you know, it still happens. So I thought that was a very kind of grim commentary on the fact that those who are in power once they feel there's even a chance that they're going to lose that power, they will do everything they can to keep hold of it. And I thought that was a very, you know, grim, but like strong commentary on power structures and, you know, capitalism and classism. And I want to know what you also, there was like, think about because I thought the simple fact that these elites, they literally were, basically going to sacrifice the senator to the purge like they and i think that almost like extends a little bit of purge anarchy where you had this wealthy group of people who literally hunt and round up poor people to basically kill in their own safe purge and i want to know what you think about that like about how it hits home that message of you know the elites the one percent they are very different to everyone else i want to know what you think about message that film sends yeah it's i mean there's so many messages in this film there is so many yes (laughs) i mean i mean the fact i think i think anyone was game that night Mm -hmm. um kind of really set the tone for the film so we knew that they're going to come for her or they're going to go for him because he was the he was a running mate he was the one the nfa nffa president so but it wasn't in charge. Uh, Senator Rain wasn't the one that was going to go after him. It was going to be. Yes, it was going to be the 
like uh, Dante Bishop, played by Edwin Hodge, which I also, <laughs> just as a funny fact, I just thought it was hilarious that Edwin Hodge at this point had been in three Purge films, but it wasn't until the third film that he was actually given a name as a character because the first two films he was just Mysterious Man. <laughs> I just yeah. thought that was very hilarious. He, but yes. But he plays a really integral role in this yes. we We've known about him. And now he's take, he's going to take action. We, we we learn about their plans, but you know I, I just feel like um, you know, and and also her party was infiltrated by NFFA supporters. You know, mm-hmm. detail, and Leo catches up on this, and you know he had the whole place set up for an escape, which was awesome. You know, yes, Frank <laughs> Willow knows what he's doing in these films, exactly, <laughs> and it was done masterfully. And um, but yes, and. Actually, yeah, that was actually that is that very, you know, good point that you touched on that it was a free for all, that it wasn't just the those in power that were trying to get rid of the threat. It was also the resistance were like, no, no, it's the purge now because we're allowed. We're going to do everything we can to take out the ruling structure, which and like, again, I think that's like it shows the the character the senator played by elizabeth mitchell i really think it make i think her character is almost like a good representation of like the moderates as in it's someone who wants to bring forth a more egalitarian and better society for all but doesn't want to do necessarily everything to bring forth that and then i think dante bishop and the resistance movement which primarily in a way is almost like a modern equivalent of like the black panther movement because these are all black people and people of color and minority groups they're like no we want to help you we want to bring forth we want to help you bring forth this better society but we'll actually do what you're afraid to do i thought it was a really interesting commentary on where people sit on the political spectrum yeah, and she was she was against it. She's like, no, I want to I want to do this fair and square. Like, I want people to vote. That's that's the right we're given. I want people to vote. And I think she was just like, hey, if I lose, I lose, and if I win, I win. Obviously, and she'll change things. But yeah, I. I but Bishop Bishop's character and his team, yeah, mm-hmm. like they were they they knew where everything was going to happen, and yeah, she she really didn't want she didn't want them to go through with it, but they did. Yeah, it made her life. <laughs> exactly exactly um and like i do think it's like it's an interesting commentary and like again you know we're two white people so we can only comment it from a certain perspective like you know i would really love to know what you know a person who is black or another kind of minority group who enjoys the purge films what their feelings are on this type of demographic because like yeah part of me wonders like you know if that senator character you know who was was played magnificently by elizabeth mitchell but if it hadn't been like say a white woman and was more of a woman of color or something like that would there have been more hesitancy to kind of like i don't know it's interesting it's a yeah i i can't really (laughs) no no i think that's a great point i would love to see that point of view i feel like everyone would go down to kansas the westboro baptist church and blow it up and go to you know all the Ku Klux Klan compounds and and do all those things but like I'm gonna be honest I would love to see that film I mean it'd be amazing 
but yeah, uh, hopefully, hopefully it'll continue. Hopefully, these this franchise will. Yes, definitely. Survive. I want I want the franchise to continue, and one of the reasons that I really wanted to continue because it's the one thing I've noticed watching all four films. I haven't watched Forever Purge yet. I'm going to be watching that soon to discuss that in a different episode. But so far, up to this point, the franchise to me feels very heteronormative like there isn't any queerness like you know to me like i would have thought that like if in a society the purge like you know if the people in power were like we're gonna give you 12 hours to allow you to kill anyone like as someone who is queer and knows how much hatred there is in the world i'd imagine that a lot of the people that would be targeted would be queer folks you know and i thought that like i thought it's really interesting that there's it doesn't seem to have any kind of commentary on sexuality or gender or anything like that within the Purge franchise. So I wanted to continue because I want that to come into it because I think it would be really interesting, especially if you have, like again, more queer characters on screen, but particularly queer people behind the camera. I'd love to see what a queer person's story within the purge sandbox would be i think there's a lot of interesting areas that could go that'd be an interesting take what would the film be called well ah i don't know like i definitely we're on the spot (laughs) the purge slay i don't know (laughs) (laughs) that's very i don't know man that's a very like typical answer like you know that's a cop out but um but yeah it would be interesting to see but um but yeah and like I want to like want to know what you think overall. Do you think the films as a franchise, and particularly these two films that we've discussed, do you think they do a good job of commenting on the class structure of society, of highlighting the inequalities that do exist? Uh, well, we do learn from Joe and Marcos's characters. You know, Joe owns that deli, and Marcos. Mm-hmm the gentleman who works there and i think marcos came you know to the country he's a citizen but he came from, yes. uh i believe he came from mexico it was it was either mexico or another hispanic colombia or somewhere like that i can't remember off the top of my head but yes he was definitely an immigrant to america yeah. but um but bubba uh, i've got gentleman's name but it's joe bubba from uh from farsco <laughs> yes uh joe joe dixon and also um the character McKelty Williamson and I thought he was oh I loved his character he was just like that kind of like you know just really grumpy like you know just dour I'm just fed up with everything character which is always like a great character in a film because a lot of times you side with that person he's just like I'm just fed up with everything I just want to sit on my roof with my beer (laughs) leave me alone (laughs) protect my shop and and, but you know, I, th- I think that friendship between the two um, mm. really stands out. And, you know, he, he understands that Joe gave him a great opportunity and, you know, would hopefully make him a partner one day because you know, he showed his devotion. Um, and then, you know, we had the two girls who tried stealing candy earlier. Yes. And I thought I thought those guys, like one thing like I did, like <laughs> I kind of feel like watching that, I was just like, is this just like what James DeMonaco thinks about teenagers or something? I thought it was really interesting because it was just like the two of them, like were both like really kind of like hypersexual and flirty at the start. And like, they were like, Oh, we don't want to pay for the candy. And then they were like, you have to pay. Okay. We're going to kill you later. <laughs> but like, for a candy bar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Over, over a chocolate bar. But like, I thought like the fact that they were all like, you know, very kind of like, you know, 
sluttily dressed and stuff like that. But also, they pulled it off. Like, you know, that bloody bride dress. I'm just like, yes, please. That is a fashion statement. I will take that. But um, I, really, I thought, I really yeah. Good. I think the cinematography and the costume design yes. was really amazing. I loved that car the girls were driving. It was just all the yes. lights. Oh, yes. I mean, I mean, but like I said, this, the purge has been happening for some time. So people, you know, they're wearing masks, you know, they, they gear up for it, you know, they prepare. Um, and Joe just wants to protect his shop and she just wants her candy bar. I would just throw in the candy bar off the roof. Like, here, take it. Here, take it, please. Uh, <laughs> they didn't learn their lesson the first time when, when Marco's shot and he hit her in the ear. I was like, I'm not coming back. That guy has a good shot. Yep. Nope. They came back and then they all died because no, Lainey came and saved the day. Awesome. <laughs> yes. There was just so many brilliant characters who were just like, yes, please. Like, and I think I loved how this film really, and I think the introduction of Leo in Purge Anarchy kind of like started it. And then this one film built on it. But I really loved how it didn't hide the fact that there are characters who like, you know, no, they're willing to, kill they're willing to do what's needed to protect people they care about and to survive but it's not because they want to kill they're just not you know they're just willing to do it if they have to i thought that was a really interesting again commentary on the spectrum of violence that there are people who are going to do it regardless there are people who won't do it like everyone like and i thought that was a really as a whole the film franchise really does comment on the spectrum of human violence that there you know i think it's too simple to say all humans are monsters or all humans are evil because no like but i think do they have the capacity for it definitely and i think that's the you know but i think it's really interesting to see the spectrum of where people fall on it yeah i i feel like there's, there's gonna be another point I'm gonna bring up. I, I feel like people they have a mask. Like mm. I, I do believe that there are great people, but I also believe that there are great people who are just like you know they can snap in a second. You know? Oh yeah. This is this is not right. I'm gonna take this matter into my own hands and do something about it. So you know, and you always hear these stories like you know he was such a nice guy. Yeah, but he you know, mutilated ten people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And actually, again, I think you know, just when you're saying that, you know, some people are good people, but they're willing to do the hard shit, hard grift. That's what again Dante Bishop and his crew represent. As in, like we see, you know, when they rescue uh, the senator and Leo we see that they have this community set up where they care for everyone. They have like, you know, basically it's like a hospital almost. And that's what Lainey does. She's the ambulance driver for this network. So I think it's a really, I loved that scene because it showed how, like, you know, any form of rebel or resistance isn't just violence. It's community care. It's putting your fellow people on the same footing and but not being afraid to be violent to survive and to hit home your message and i think that was a really good commentary and like particularly if you look at historically like say you know the vietnam war or any type of wars like that it's always portrayed as there's this incoming force the you know western powers which are the good guys and then everyone else is bad Whereas it's not that simple. Like, you know, there's a lot more nuance. And I think, like, whether it's the Viet Cong kind of guerrilla warfare or the Cuban, you know, Che Guevara guerrillas and stuff like that, I think this film really kind of 
highlighted that it isn't black and white, that rebel groups aren't just violent attackers. They also are communities of people. And I thought it was a really good film of kind of hitting home that message. Yeah, I think we should also definitely touch upon the fact that this also, this film at the beginning had that global perspective. Remember, they called it the purge tourism. And we yes. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> they want to exercise, exercise their right to purge. Obviously, like you said, you know, you're, you're in Ireland. I'm in, in the United States. And, you know, there's a lot of different things happening in both, uh, both regions. But, you know, you have people, uh, I think they were coming from Germany. Well, there was that yes, one that's what, yeah. He spoke a little German there, but he's like, I love America. And we're going to exercise our right to purge. So, you know, because a lot of these other countries have stronger rules and obviously they didn't embrace the purge. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm going <laughs> to go to America and I'm going to partake. And they, and they, but the way the newscaster says like, you know, it's purge tourism. It's really good for the country. Like, you're flying here, spending money and killing people. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I almost like I don't know how I almost forgot about that did. very important Good. point. <laughs> yeah, but it's you know, but but they they kind of, the newscaster kind of stresses a good thing like, hey, it's good for America. Purge tourism is a is a good thing. Yeah, so, no, it's interesting, and actually, when you think about it in like a interesting way, is that also maybe a commentary on say, particularly where. It's a lot of from Western nations going to countries like, say, Thailand and stuff like that, which are known for their sex tourism, where you've got these Western people coming in, particularly for that reason. I wonder if this is like, I don't know, like it's one of the things I'd love to just sit down with James DeMonaco as a writer of all these films, just to know what like, because so many of the different thoughts were what each, each thing is a commentary on, because I genuinely like, like you know yeah like the films like you know they're not oscar worthy films they're not amazing but they're great at what they do but i definitely feel like everything that's commented on isn't just thrown in by accident everything is deliberately commenting on some aspect of society as it is today so i wonder if that purge tourism is like a commentary on certain countries that have sex tourism and stuff like that i don't know or it's maybe because we have sex tourism, we would have purged tourism if it existed. It's interesting. Yeah, I, no, that, that's a really interesting take. I, I didn't even possibly connect those two, but yeah, it's true. Thailand, sex tourism. I don't know about some of the other countries, but you know, like people go places to ski, you know, specifically different countries, and here they come to America to purge. So. <laughs> yeah, here they come to legally kill <laughs> people. You know, it's a tomato, tomato. <laughs> Well, it's, yeah, it really is an interesting take, and I, and I agree with you. I really wish that that was touched upon. You know, really comparing different countries and their point of views about the purge. I would love to have seen that yes. play, um, especially in election year, because you know it was so far into the purge. You know, being active itself, but I would love for them to be like, you know, I would love to have seen like just even though it would be fake news clips, but of leaders being like the purge is a bad thing. This is never going to happen in X country or, you know, in this area. And yeah, I think that would have been about the, the rates of people who actually leave like a week before the purge and come to the U S and spend money and stay in hotels and then murder people and then fly back home as, you know, as it's just a vacation, like nothing, nothing out of the norm. It's a yeah. country, obviously it's illegal. It's illegal to murder someone, but if they come here and they're like, Hey, I got away with it. I'm good back to yeah. back home and see my wife and exactly and it's also it's interesting in a way because it's just like would you 
would you want those people coming back to your country if the reason they left was so they could deliberately kill people and get away with it? Like, I'm trying to, like, you know, th- those people who left Germany, like, we're here to purge. Like, now they died anyway, so I think it's not that much of a problem. But if they had to survive, I wonder if, like, German officials would be like, hey, this person deliberately went to America to purge and now they're coming back. Do we want this person? Well, they, they might say this also. They might say, well, at least they didn't do it here. <laughs> Which, knowing how a lot of countries work when it comes to extraditing types of criminals, I'd say that probably would be the case. I'd say, hey, not our problem. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, at least they didn't do it here. But when they come back, they're like, oh, you know, I don't know how many people he or she killed. Like, you know, this is, this is not a good thing, but yeah. it can be bad. Exactly. So. And what I'd like, re- like, I'd really love to see, uh, I don't know, like, I think it would be interesting to, again, maybe explore it in a Purge series or something like that, but like an after the Purge type thing, because like, you know, of people actually dealing with the repercussions of what they've done during those 12 hours. I think that would be really interesting and nuanced to see. Cause like the one thing that like, again, and then maybe it's just shows this spe- again, that spectrum of human violence, but something I kind of like, you know, if someone is willing to kill someone just because they're allowed to, I don't know. I kind of think if you're willing to kill someone anyway, I don't think laws are going to stop you doing that. It's an interesting like commentary, like as in anyone who kills someone during the purge and survives the purge would like what, you know, I wouldn't trust that they wouldn't kill someone outside of those 12 hours. <laughs> right. Um, and I, I, I just think that, the, the people, yeah, they, they would do anything. But like, I think also in the films, like a lot of people, it's just like a random shooting. You know, I, I don't. A lot of it is targeted, obviously, from, yeah. from the scenes that we see. But yeah, I see. A, it's just a lot of it's also just random violence. Like they might just choose anyone and tie them to a car and drive them around, you know, on the hood. Or, yeah, or, or yeah, yeah, just yeah, attack just random people. people. Yeah. So, but like you know, if 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 this were a real thing, I, I honestly feel like the political system would be taken over and destroyed. <laughs> they would burn that, that DC <laughs> to the ground here in the United States and on other political establishments. Um, but I, I mean, you have to also think like in the future, can this eventually become a reality? And, I, and it's weird to say, I mean, maybe no. 10 years ago, I've been like, nah, it's not going to No, but it's something, <laughs> it's some, like it, given that yesterday, uh, the Supreme Court deciding to overrule Roe v. Wade. And now certain Supreme Court justices, you know, are starting rumors about stripping back same-sex marriage. And prior to everything that happened this week, in general, for the last, I don't know how many years, the rights of transgender people have always been up for debate amongst uh, conservative politicians. So, yeah, it's (laughs) like... Before this weekend and this massive step back of human rights for women, I would have thought, no, the purge was never possible. But now part of me is kind of like, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, but, there, but there are so many groups that are targeted, you know, because of who they are and yes. what they practice and what they believe. And it, and it does happen on both sides of the political spectrum. It really mm-hmm. does. And I, and I do see that. Um but you know we had, we had films like the running man you know like 
Obviously, that was targeted toward criminals who had to participate in certain events to survive. You know, they really didn't, um, thanks to Arnold Schwarzenegger. But uh, <laughs> awesome movie, by the way. Yes. But, you know, but like, you have to understand, like, certain things, like, now we have a, a Squid Game show coming out, and you're like, did people really understand? Didn't people see what the purpose of that show was in that <laughs> contest? You're like, it really wasn't, you know, for fun. Yeah, was, yeah exactly. Still, <laughs> like, everyone else (laughs) yeah like and i always like maybe it's just like it's just i think it's just reflective of the state of general media literacy but like just like you know the fact that someone can watch even say the purge films but then which i think is like a really interesting a good like double feature almost with squid game and but like the fact that someone can watch squid game or the purge films and their takeaway isn't capitalism is terrible like, which is literally what these things are saying if if someone doesn't have that takeaway and they're just like yeah hey our system is great i'm just like i don't we we watched different things i don't think like you know there's no way you're these things are going to actually hit home the message with you like it's interesting yeah i mean i don't i don't think it'll ever become like a i don't think we'll ever have like a purge like, you know, something that extreme in the U.S. But like you said, like, you know, we, we have murders happening throughout the country. We have people who just want to go grocery shopping and they're gunned down by white supremacists. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, there's, we had Black Lives Matter protests. We had the people, the police who were supposed to protect us. You know, they killed that gentleman, George Floyd, and, you know, in the streets. That's what led to that big uprising in 2020, yeah. late 2020. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of, of things that happen, you know, between, you know, one race to another, one religion to another, or, or person to a person. It's... I don't know, I, like, I, I feel like our, the country and the world is coming unhinged. And, you know, I feel like, you know, these movies really kind of predicted a lot of the infighting yeah. happening and the frustration, the anger, and that people want to take revenge. I'm, I'm not going to say they want to take action. They actually want to take revenge and be like, you know, I don't, I don't like these people in power and I'm, we're going to do something about it. And they, yeah, no, I agree. And like, part of me feels that this is maybe why, like, even though the Purge films, like, they have done well box office-wise, like, you know, that's why we've had so many, because they, they do well each time. But, like, the, I think I feel like they, but they haven't really done, you know, amazingly well critically. I genuinely think that in another, like, 10, 15 years or something like that, I kind of feel like the Purge films are really going to be looked on as really important for what they were saying i think they are saying something that's so accurate to what's happening in real time that it's almost it's not escapism because we're seeing the like it's a heightened like you know it's an extreme example of what actually is happening and i think that's almost why a lot of people don't like can't find comfort in the purge films because they're kind of just like I, I don't like it. These films are telling me what's happening and I don't like it. <laughs> well, and it's true. And, you know, I mean, my, my family knows I love horror films. And every time I speak with them, they're like, I don't know how you can really like watch this stuff and see it. And I did see the Purge election year in theaters. And mm. I saw it with a friend who really doesn't like these films, doesn't like violence. You know, was, I mean, obviously, I, I think I also saw Logan with, with my friend and then his girlfriend. She loved it. She was like, yeah, like I love violence. And then he was just like, I, I can't do this. Um, but you know, I, you can definitely like. I left the theater. I was like, that was fucking awesome. Like, that was amazing. Not, I wasn't coming out there and be like, I'm ready to purge. But you know, he was just like, you know, what? that was really scary. He's like, 
like this can happen. And I was just like, you know, you kind of laugh off. You're like, you know, shut up. It's not going to happen. And then, you know, as we're just, and when you think about it, you know, and that was what, six years ago when I saw it. Yeah. I think came out. Um, Obviously a lot has changed, not only in our country, but in the world and, and, and the viewpoints and, and the, the policies, and I feel like, you know, you, you know, I'm look, laughing like, no, Wayne, if you're listening to this, you might have been right. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. But, um, but, but you know, he, he, he was kind of right. He was like, he kind of left. He was like, that's it was scary. He's like, this can happen. I was just like, eh, yes. And, I, yeah. and at that time, we were, I was living in Colorado. And I would live near the Capitol building, mm. in Denver. And uh, yeah, I mean, there was always protests, you know, about Black Lives Matter and people who were protesting certain things from both sides of the aisle and you know, mm. you know these and these were heated arguments like in your face like there was violence also on the streets um there and yeah you can you, you can definitely say like this it's it's slowly moving toward a purge like atmosphere on a daily basis not you know yeah. burning uh, buildings burning um you know shootings and and they're not all related in that aspect but like you know no but i think it's all even though they might not be, they're all coming back to a common symptom. I think that's what it is. Like, and you know, at the end of the day, that common sim- symptom is capitalism. Like, you know, we're in the state of, de- you know, heightened destructive capitalism. Like, that is the cause of so much of this violence and so much of this, you know, people at each other's throats refusing to see the bigger picture that, you know, the reason everything is shit is because those that are in the elite classes have made it that way and they need things to shit stay shit so that they can stay in power. And I think the Purge film does a good kind of over-heightened analogy of that, um, particularly election year. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, globally, inflation, housing crises, stagnant wages everything is happening across the globe at the same time and i think that's why things just feel we're it feels like we're at a pressure point at the moment like i i don't know like you know whether it's like you know with what's happening in ukraine with russia invading and Mm -hmm. just the rise of nationalism globally yeah it feels like we're on the precipice of something that is scary and i think the purge film's did a good job of examining that, of examining what that pressure point is and where it comes from. Like, I just read, I just, I'm just like waiting for the point (laughs) that more people realize how clever and smart these films were. Like, yes, they were gratuitously violent, like lots of killing, lots of murder. But underneath that, they're saying some really important things about humans and society. And I'm just waiting for the day that, people wake up and notice that. <laughs> well, they're, they're seeing it, but they're not connecting it. And that's mm. the thing. Um, like, like I said, we had that grocery store shooting and in, 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 it was in Buffalo, New York. Um, you know, there were, there were uh, a number of people were killed because they were black. Um, it was a mostly black neighborhood. Um, but like, no, people really don't, they just said, okay, it was just a white supremacist. But I mean, it was an 18 year old also, which is, which is even scarier because of the way mm. they're operating. But like, no, we, we, I just feel like all these different beliefs and, and this infighting and like no one, I would just like, you don't, my, my parents would always say like, we never heard of these things like 50 years ago. There wasn't like, you know, after growing up, you were able to sleep with your doors unlocked, your windows open, like you can mm-hmm. leave your car doors unlocked also. Nothing would happen. Now it's, 
you know, you have to worry about all these different things and it, it's, it's getting scarier as we move on. Um, and then like, you know, I, I, I mean, this is the future and also technology plays a huge role in it. Oh, 100%. I mean, you, I, I was, you know, you scroll through Twitter and then you see like, you know, the live shooting, like, you know, videos of, of those shootings. And you're just like, you know, I can play a video game. I can watch it in the film. I'd be like, this is awesome. But then like, when you know, it's like, you're actually watching someone really having it. Yeah. Like, it's a different, like, it's a different it's a, thing. It's a, like, it really was a different feeling. Yeah. And I think actually just what you're saying there about like the, how like almost important technology is in the, role it is playing and everything that's happening for listeners and for yourself i don't know if you're aware of it but the netflix documentary the social dilemma did you watch that okay and i'd highly recommend it and listeners as well but basically it's called the social dilemma it's basically a netflix documentary about social media and the rise of social media and how it works and particularly it also talks about google facebook twitter all these different things and it's all like the people who are interviewed or people who used to work for google or facebook or twitter or they're you know different types of software engineers and stuff like that so they're all basically the people who are there to kind of set up social media as we know it and it's it's a very scary documentary because it's really alarming but there's one really prescient point in it where it's talking about the way google works and it was saying no two people are going to have the same google search results and like particularly just because everyone's different and the algorithm knows what you're into so it's going to give you what you want to confirm your own biases but also location wise So if you have someone who's in a very, say, like using America as an example, if you have someone who's in a very red, conservative, Republican state, city, if they Google a certain hot button topic, like, say, transgender people or any gun laws or whatever it is, it's going to give them results that confirm what they already think, that transgender people are evil and a threat that guns protect people you know it's going to confirm what they already believe in the same sense if you have someone in a very democratic blue state and they google the exact same phrase they'll get completely different search results that confirms their biases and that's why there is this such a big divide politically because and that's why i always hate the you know the comeback from either side of oh just google it because that's not actually going to do anything if someone just googles it they're only going to get what they already believe so someone who's very bigoted is only going to get bigoted information because that's all they look at (laughs) you know in the same sense that a liberal person is only going to see that information because that's all they look at so there's no way to be able to actually see things from the other side unless you know where to look which most people don't because we aren't taught how to use the internet (laughs) yeah still still don't know how to use the internet and and it's true but the internet has you know obviously it has its good points and the bad points pros and cons i feel like the internet has definitely proliferated these these views distorted views also in certain things yes um yeah and it's true like i i saw the internet like i believe it because it's you know i follow these people on twitter and they say these things it must be true people are not doing research they're being very lazy and they're relying on memes you know from whatever point of view they have to spread their message and i I feel like you know these these companies should be responsible 
for, for what happens. Google, Facebook. I mean, we, we've seen like how, how they impacted elections. Mm, yep. <laughs> Very present. So it, it, it's, but you know, it, it, they'll take money from anyone, you know, Hey, you want to spend, you know, a hundred million on ads on our thing. I don't care what <laughs> you say. Fine. It's all. Exactly. And it's and, there. Yeah. And like, the thing is like, just when you're like again this is possibly going into more like anti-capitalist conspiracy theory realms but um when you're saying it you know we're we're not taught about the internet we're not educated we don't know that's by design like in the sense that schools our schooling system the reason that it's the hours of basically working hours is our schooling system is designed to create workers for the capitalist system so that's why we're in America, particularly, there's been this desire to get rid of critical race theory, of teaching the history of how bad the American system actually has been to minorities. In the UK, in, in, they aren't told about the atrocities that the British Empire has done across the globe. But most British people don't know about everything they've done to Ireland, their next door neighbour. They don't understand why Irish people hate the English because they aren't taught about their atrocities. All our schooling systems are by design to create workers for the next generation of capitalism to keep the system in place. <laughs> so that's why we aren't taught how to critically engage with the internet, because if we knew how, we'd, we'd question things more. <laughs> I mean, I'm lucky. I mean, I'm actually a former school teacher. I actually taught math and science. So I got... Oh, amazing. <laughs> I wasn't a history teacher. And God, I mean, history... <laughs> History repeats itself, but like I was so bad at history, I'm glad I never taught it. <laughs> but like I said, I taught math and science, so I really, I I was easy. Sixth grade math and science, like it was just bouncing checkbooks and volumes <laughs> and clouds. I got away easily. And then I transitioned <laughs> to social media, you know, like five. Amazing. Years later. Yeah, no, but cool. We also, we need more science teachers. So, you know, more people need to believe in science. <laughs> like, yes. That's something that the last be. two years has really shown. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like science, yeah, it's, 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 it's an open, I mean, I mean, like I said, I, I just taught general science, but like, yeah, we yeah. need people who believe in science. Exactly. And but, and I, doctors. exactly. And actually, <laughs> Circling back in a way, which I think will be an interesting kind of, they're coming up to almost like an hour and a half, so it'll be a good point to kind of finish it out on. No, it's been really good. We have talked about two films, so there's been a lot to talk about. It's been a good, really enjoyable conversation. But just when we're talking about, you know, (laughs) science and stuff like that, I feel like the character, the scientist, Updale, played by Marissa Tomei, is probably an example of like, you know, (laughs) when uh, you've got people who are anti-vax and don't believe scientists that's probably what they think of as scientists of someone who's just like so doesn't care about outcomes is just like i believe in the scientific theory in this idea it can't be corrupted and yeah no that's not exactly true (laughs) so i thought that was a really interesting commentary on humans and unfortunately you know the way science can be exploited by those in power yeah i was just curious as to like how her initial conversation came out like an experiment in staten island and let people murder each other for 12 hours and get away with it scot-free what do you think and they were probably like yeah it's pretty good let's let's do it <laughs> like yeah <laughs> you want you want to you want to know what those like initial thinking pod stages were before it was put into place <laughs> like I would love to see was- the whiteboard and everything <laughs> like-, like was there anyone in the room who was just like you know a detractor who was kind of like i uh, you know what let's pause for a minute 
I don't think like like I'd imagine the reason the experiment took place is because it was a room filled with people who were like, yes, <laughs> murder people for 12 hours and not, not face any repercussions. That sounds great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, I think that's a good point, <laughs> a good hopeful point <laughs> to end our conversation on. But before we go, I just want to know what your overall feelings and kind of thoughts are on the Purge franchise as a whole, as it's maybe, do you think it's going to have a lasting cultural impact? Um, do you think it will just be its own little kind of cult fan base? Like, what do you think about films as a whole? Yeah, yeah per, per today's chat, you know, I, I definitely think, you know, it definitely had an impact. Um, like I said, you know, the, the first Purge film came out, like the one with Ethan Hawke came out about 10 years ago. And yeah. Again, how much, you know, you know, in terms of race, and rioting and all these things like that you know, plays a big part in society today. So mm. I definitely think it has that impact on current and future generations. The films itself, I, I love them. I love the violence. Um, and I'm going to be honest, like, you know, going in there, I really don't focus on a certain point. I just like, let's see how many people get killed in this. Like, <laughs> this is awesome. I think like, I think the first purge had like 130 plus kills. And I think the purge um, election year, I think had like, 113 and i think it's from dead meat you know from james at, at dead meat on youtube.com <laughs> dead meat. Was awesome um you know uh kill count i love them um, but you know it's like you know, I, i'm i'm i went in as a movie girl looking for entertainment yeah. and of course there's a lot of commentary in there and that you do think about it. you're like is this what's happening now or you know some people might be even blind to that they might be like hey i live in a really good spot now yes that's an outside perspective um but it's it's uh it's a possibility not to that extreme but i think it's a possibility but um you know it's pure entertainment it's enjoyable um i love the masks the costumes the mm-hmm. a lot of the killings were amazing and i think the acting was fantastic i think i really do think people should check it out because and i do hope that the franchise continues there's so much opportunity um still kind of building up and they will be brought up some different points of p- potential POVs in there and I would love to see that happen so James Marco yes please get on it amazing thank you and yes just when you're talking about the masks and the costuming whoever came up with the masks for the Purge franchise must be killing it now when it comes because those masks are so popular they get bought all the time whoever came up with those masks killing it brilliant idea but yeah exactly <laughs> yeah exactly brilliant thank you thank you for that brilliant pun um, but before i let you go brett where can people find you on social media your work stuff like that if you want to be found <laughs> yeah I, I don't mind being found i think I, i've been you know pretty public for for over 15 years so twitter is brett um letterbox brett peterzell or they can go to brett.tv that's my website and they can find all my links there um, and I love connecting with people and, 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 you know, this, this was a fantastic opportunity. Thank you so much for inviting me on today. Uh, it was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. And I hope we get to talk about other films in the future, especially Nightbreed, big fan. Whenever you're mm. ready for that. Yes. Okay. Um, this was really exciting. I hope that the listeners enjoyed our conversation today. And like I said, again, thank you so much for this opportunity. Amazing, Brett. And thank you for joining me and listeners keep your, ears and eyes tuned for the final purge film which will be the forever purge and i'll let you know who my guests will be at that point so thank you for listening